0: Thank you, Bailey. Someday we'll have a quieter mechanism for that. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. And it is now my honor to introduce our speaker today. Reverend John Crestwell he is the associate minister at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Annapolis where he has served since 2008. He went to seminary as a Methodist and after graduating became a Unitarian Universalist. So I suspect that his journey on that transformation will bear on his talk with us this morning. Uh, he's a native of D.C. He has five mostly grown children, and he has, uh, for the last four years, started his own program in Annapolis called Awake," which focuses on emotional literacy competency. So welcome to our platform. John, it is good to have you with us.
1: It's my first time here, and I'm so glad to be here. I come to you from the Unitarian Universalist Church in Annapolis, Maryland, where I've served as the Associate Minister. I'm about to start my ninth year there. Before that I was at Davies Memorial Unitarian Universalist Church in Camp Springs, Maryland, and so um, my UU journey has been now I think since 2000, so coming up on 18 years. My, how time flies. I want to share with you a reading from Dr. David Hawkins in one of my favorite books. It is my Bible called letting go the way of surrender. The average human life is spent trying to avoid and run from the inner turmoil of fear and the threat of misery. Everyone's self-esteem is constantly threatened, both from within and without. If you take a closer look at human life, we see that it is essentially one long, elaborate struggle to escape our inner fears and expectations that have been projected upon the world. You know, after the election last November, I suspect you all have talked a lot about that, we have begun to see the underbelly of democracy. Honestly, we always see the underbelly of democracy, but we've really been able to see it like we've never seen it before, at least I have not seen it before in my 47 years. And hate seems to be on the rise. You know, Houston came, and Houston is a tragic thing, the hurricane that happened in Houston. But the only one good thing about Houston is that it has taken our attention away from Mr. Trump. And that is a bright spot. And I need to do this one time, amen. <laughs> it seems as far as I've, I've gotten as far as I could from my Methodist roots, but they still come up every now and again. But something is waking up these fringe elements in our society, groups that are fearing the present and what is becoming the future, a more equitable society, a society that becomes more brown. Now certainly these groups that are on the rise, these hate groups, have survived over the centuries, whether they be in small numbers or large numbers, Because, as was suggested in our reading, they cater to people's inner fears, sometimes their unexpressed fears, and people feel emboldened in packs. Certainly, these people are projecting their inner pain and their lack of progress in life, convincing themselves that something is being taken away from them or that their individual rights had been infringed upon. You know, the last election was a lot because you know the previous president was the first African-American president. And then national health care and, and then gay marriage. The sky is falling. And so this is an equal and opposite reaction we must come to expect in our society. This paranoia, this skepticism, this distrust. But I want to shift a little bit and tell you that this is coming actually from another place in our great democracy. And this may rub you a little bit, and that's okay. But I think a lot of this is coming from not understanding our individuality as it relates to being a part of a society. In other words, our culture of individualism, our culture of authenticity, our culture of do me it's all about me and get mine, is leading to some of the acts we've seen like in Charlottesville and other places. And we're at a precipice, I think. And I think religious Societies are at a a precipice as well. Are we going to become more radically welcoming and and inclusive? Or are we going to hide behind our fears? Are we going to try to expand what it means to be community? Or as Dr. King would say always, or are we going to perish as fools? But we do live in a great time. Steven Pinker, he says in his book that the world is less violent than it ever has been before. That's a good thing. People are recognizing their inner power, whether you be a PLC person or a GBLTQ person. So there's good and bad in, in, in this time of change. I don't know if you all use social media or not. I'm sure you do. But I always am aware of, of uh, the pithy sayings, the memes, and stuff like that. They're really fun. And, and one that pops up all the time is, is keep it real. Keep it 100. Be authentic. I was just watching today's show. They had Miley Cyrus on there. And, and I don't, you probably don't know who that is, right? No, you know who that is. She has this song that got really popular called We Can't Stop. Here's some of the lyrics. It's our party. We can do what we want. It's our party. We can say what we want. It's our party. We can love who we want. We can kiss who we want. We can see who we want. And we can't stop. And we won't stop. We run things. Things don't run we. Don't take nothing from nobody. Hit song. And so in this time, many feel if they're not speaking their mind or living on their terms, keeping it real, that they are not being real. They are being fake or living a fabricated and inauthentic life. This is the complex contrast that I'm talking about this morning. And there's some truth there. But there's always a fine line. And science proves that out when you look at the cosmos. And everything operates on a delicate balance. Same is true in our human ecosystem. know, authentic means of undisputed origin, the real thing, bona fide. And I think of authentic, I think of products and services. My first career was advertising and marketing. Of course, I would become a preacher. But in products and services, they like to talk about differentiation. How is your product different from your competitors? And human beings do this too, right? Human. I don't want to be Cola, I want to be Coca-Cola. You know, I, I don't want to be club soda, I want to be LaCroix. Differentiation. I want you to see me, I want you to hear me, I want you to know that I have, have gifts. I'm like Pepsi, I'm the real thing. (laughs) And this is not bad in and of itself. But you know when it is bad, when it becomes bad. And my friend and colleague, the senior minister at the uh, church in Annapolis where I serve, Reverend Fred Muir, he's written a, a book called Turning Points based on the changes in Unitarian Universalism. And here he argues The difference is as individuality, expressing your gifts, and individualism, which I call narcissism and hedonism. And I'm going to define those because I like definitions. Individualism is something else. Individualism means it's It's my way or the highway, it's all about me. I've got to get all the attention. If you don't do it my way, then I'm going to take my ball and go home. And I think our culture is mistaking individuality, gifts used in a community of trust. If we rely just on individualism there is a fracturing that takes place in democracy, in a church, in a society, in any organization. In fact, I'm arguing to you this morning that the very foundation of what makes us civilized and not savages are our institutions. But individualism is absolutely destroying that fabric. Uh, fabric. So, think twice when you are ready to tell someone off or tell them just how you feel and what they did to you. When you want to set the record straight or throw somebody out under the bus in the name of being authentic, when we're being cruel. That text or that message we send out, political message sometimes when we shut that other person down, and yeah, shut them down. It feels good, I know. But what does it do for the sake of community if we don't leave any space for reconciliation? You've just blown that person out. And that's what I do on Facebook. I try to act like a moderator. When my conservative friends respond and my liberal friends don't like it, and my liberal friends, I have way more, you know, and so they come and just pounce. And I feel sorry for my conservative friend who only knows, particularly he, only knows what he knows. And I come in, you know, he's a good man. Just ease up a little bit. But unfortunately, in our culture of authenticity and keep it real, we don't know when our individuality is becoming individualism. My thing is, you have something inside of you in your gut, something that, 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 that you know when you're going over the edge, and you have to trust that. Now, hedonism is the ethical theory that pleasure and the sense of satisfaction of desires is the highest good and proper aim of human life. It's pleasure-seeking, self-gratifying, and is the pursuit of pleasure or sensual self-indulgence. Narcissism, self-absorption, extreme selfishness, with a grandiose view of one's own talents and a craving for admiration as characterizing a personality type. Self-centeredness arising from failure to distinguish the self from external objects. So you put this all together and pleasure is your highest good. It includes extreme selfishness, being extremely self-absorbed. You project your pain onto others as long as it leads to your pleasure. And every bad situation that happens to you is some other person's or group's problem. Individ- this is individualism. Individuality, run amuck. And so what does this mean for us today? It means, yes, we should satisfy our desires and seek pleasure and absolutely want recognition and to be recognized. This, this is good. It's part of what it means to be human. But must we at any cost? I only say this because I believe that with this last election, as Young talks about the shadow, that our current president is a reflection of us, for better and for worse. Just as the one before him was a reflection of us. So as much as I I want to criticize and be critical, and sometimes we must, I also have to take some time and, and pause and say, what has created this in me? And so, how do we check ourselves before we wreck ourselves? You come to a community that holds you accountable, that lets you test your theories. And you stay with that community as you get challenged, as your buttons get pushed. Because by ourselves, By ourselves, we are subject to our own narcissism and hedonism. So, Amanda, I just gave your congregation a pitch to come to church more. (laughs) What distinguishes us as people of faith is that we are relational people, that we do care about those whom we are in relationship with, from the greatest of these to the least of these. And that that means that we have to be mindful of our relationships. And that's why I like Buddhism, about being mindful about what we do and what we say. I said this to my congregation, you know, we've got to really be in a place of forgiveness right now because a lot of people just live this life and they're not mindful of what they're doing or where they're going. But we as Unitarian Universalists, we're different. We covenant under our seven principles, six sources. We covenant to be a relational people, to be on the side of love, come what may. And so we have to be in the process of coming back to the table, of reminding each other about those better angels of our nature. So we have to leave room for reconciliation in all of our relationships, including with the highest person in our government. And I don't want to say that. And that's why I know it's the right thing to say. Relational people call people in and they don't call people out. Relational people work by covenant. Relational people work in the art of forgiveness and letting go. So I, do, I, I don't want you to leave here and, and, and say you can't be critical of anything. I, I just want you to know that if we don't extend the virtues of love loving kindness, then how do we distinguish us? What is our moral imperative? How do we distinguish ourselves? It's just, as Dr. King said, one tyranny leading to another form of tyranny. So it is a challenge for us this morning to exhibit our individuality in the face of a culture that wants to be exhibiting individualism. I'm almost done. And I just want to end as I close and say that we live in a marvelous time to shift the energy toward love on this planet. It's a great time to be alive as we analyze our systems systemically to create a more equitable and peaceful society. I'm so glad to be alive in this time and I'm so glad that I have been able in my years to find a community where I can proclaim the the message that I believe that was in my heart. Unitarian Universalism. Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, she was a UU, she said we're bound inextricably in a single bundle of humanity. Now she said that before Martin Luther King. He took her words but she's right we're bound together we are covenanting people bound together in a great bundle of humanity is what she said and Martin Luther King turned it around and said we're bound inextricably in a single garment of destiny and then there's my my favorite poem that Dr King used to quote, quote. it's a collectivist poem by the English cleric John Donne written for his beloved country England Showing us again our interrelatedness to all peoples, places, and things, come what may. I end with his words adapted just a bit for our time. No human is an island entire of itself. Every human is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any person's death diminishes me because I am involved in humankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee.